If you've been following along with us, and if you remember a couple of weeks, and I'm sure some of you probably went back and read ahead and behind and got caught back up, but for those who are first time here, let me just kind of get caught up where we left off in chapter 2. If you remember, Paul is in prison writing to a young man, pastor, young pastor named Timothy. Timothy was placed by God in a place called Ephesus, who was responsible to oversee the people in the area of Ephesus, and probably wasn't only responsible for one church, but probably a series of churches that were planted by Paul through his missionary trips and as such in that area. And he's wrote one letter, 1 Timothy, already to him about how to minister to the people during difficult times. Then God led him to re- write another letter, 2 Timothy, to the same young man, here Timothy, to encourage him and warn him about the things that are happening in this world. Not only during that period of time that they found themselves in with these false teachers creeping into the church and changing the word of God and leaving the word of God and going in the the worldly way and their fleshly ways, he was warning them, Timothy, young Timothy, stand strong, young man. Don't let the world influence you. Don't let the flesh of those people that you're ministering to influence you. And certainly don't let the devil influence you. Stay the course, man. Keep teaching my word. Don't leave my word. Don't be compromising in my word. The word is truth. It sets people free from their sins and rejuvenates their minds. No any other way out there. So why would you change your course at all, Timothy? I know you'll be faithful. Stay faithful, Timothy. Well, as we draw closure to this letter, the second letter from Paul to Timothy, he warns them again of the end times or the last days. Paul predictive, his prediction of predictive very clearly at that time that speaks to our hearts today predictively, there are going to be troubled times in the last times or last days of this world. Before the Lord comes back and takes his bride, his church, into heaven to be with him. And he predicted that. He predicted then, and it's for us today. And so as we listen and we hear his word, may it penetrate the mind and to the heart of each and every one of us. And as we continue today in 2 Timothy, we will see... As Paul writes to Timothy, it relates absolutely perfectly to us and our present times. Paul has thought through carefully by the power of the Holy Spirit giving him words to give to Timothy that would be shared for years to come to this present day for us. And we see in chapter 3, Paul warned Timothy to know and to teach the scripture. Why? Because there were many false teachers who were deviating from God's word and God's revealed truth and still calling themselves Christian leaders. Leaders of a church, but they've left the word of God. They've turned to the philosophies of men. They've turned to the ways of the world. They haven't stayed the course by teaching, simply teaching the word of God to the people. Feeding the flock that God has brought in front of them. And as Paul's previous letter is warning Timothy about the collapse that's predicted in the last days. You can go back and read that in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. But during this period, according to the prediction, the world will see terrible times and societal degeneration. Degeneration of society will be happening all around. And, And Paul predicted it even back then because the power of the Holy Spirit showed him that this was going to happen. And it makes it clear for us. So there's no question in our minds. Will society be coming unraveled and fall apart and spiral out of control? We know it will be because the word of God tells us so. 
But Paul didn't say these things to Timothy to frighten him, to make him get all anxious and, 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 and depressed he, and, and curl up and say, I'm doing nothing. I'm just going to sit here and hide and maybe no one will notice. That's not how we are to live for God. But Paul is telling to Timothy, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid. God is in control. And God has a sovereign plan for you and for me as a child of God. And we have everything to celebrate and everything to look forward to as a child of God. Why? Because God is coming back. It's the last days. That should not frighten you if you're walking with the Lord. And yes, if you're listening to my voice and that frightens you, then yes, if you're not walking with the Lord, you should be very, very concerned. And it will be fear. <clears throat> it will be tribulation, a, a tribulation in your life because it's going to be terrible times. And you might even be experiencing that as we speak. Now Paul will outline 19 general characteristics in these first nine verses. 19 general characteristics believers should expect in people's lives who practices, and I will use that emphasis, who practices such human condition by choosing not to follow God's word. Paul writes of this also in Romans. Romans chapter 1 verses 28 through 32. I encourage you to go back and look at what Paul wrote in that letter. But he emphasizes this is what it's going to look like in the people's lives who choose not to follow God. Not only those who blatantly want nothing to do with God. But also to those who say they're religious but do not follow and obey the word of God. That is the danger for what we will see Paul is warning Timothy. There are people in your church, Timothy, they're going to keep creeping in and they're going to be around you. And in the days, and especially the last days, you're going to see religious type people who want nothing to do with following God's word. And these are the characteristics of how you will determine if they are that type of person. We don't have to look for it. It will be obvious because it's their character it will just be who they are and I pray that there's no one here today that it describes you in the 19 characteristics but at the same time I love you I do I may not know you but God has brought you here and he has given me a, a heart of love to tell you the truth if you've never heard the truth before. My brothers and sisters, how many times have I heard the same story over and over in 10 years of, since this ministry started? Pastor, I've been walking with the Lord, or I've known the Lord. I grew up as a Christian my whole life, but I've never heard the word of God taught. I've never heard that. You're not alone. And God is not condemning you. He's brought you here for today so that you can now start like spring. Let fruit grow in your life. Move away from the legalism of religiosity and move into the newness of grace and love of our Lord. Amen? So as we take a look at this, he says to here, Paul to informing Timothy about the character of people, we'll see in verses 1 through 9, and in the last days. But he also will give instructions to Timothy at the last part of chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, how to deal with this within the church. 
Yes, you've got people like this in your church or coming into the church, but how do you deal with it as a pastor? And Paul teaches his young protege, Timothy, how he can might minister the most effective way during these predictive, terrible times that we'll see in the church and in society. And he starts here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, by saying, but know this, but know this, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. It's not a question. If they're coming, they are have come, or they will come, because it's the last days. The word translated for perilous is the idea of dangerous in the Greek. It's, it's terrible times. It's, it's a hard to deal with times in people's lives. It's that kind of level of severity. This sort of an atmosphere will be a mark of last days. When you look at society and you look at people, you see these characteristics that are as a, is just rampant and acceptable as characteristics of human condition. That it's actually lifted up. It's actually promoted. It's actually rewarded. It's actually encouraged. When you see these things, look up because I draw near. I draw nigh. That's what the Lord is saying. It's the last days. I'm coming back for my bride. I'm coming back for you and I who love the Lord. He says that the word perilous here is used only one other time in the New Testament. Anytime you see a certain word and you study the word of God, you say, Lord, how many other times is this Greek word used in the scripture? And there's only one other time that this Greek word for perilous is found. Do you know where it is? It's found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when you see a pattern, you see where it's being used by God in his word, we see here this story of the two Gadarene demonics, demoniacs, that are there present in that Gadarene area. They are described as savage. They're described as untamed, like they're just wild beasts living after their flesh and willing to devour and do whatever they can do to other people. And they are warned by Matthew, describes them as so fierce that no one could pass that way. So when you read the word of God and you see in the context there in Matthew of that word perilous and that it's only used one other time here in this scripture that talks about what are people going to be like in their human condition in the last times, you can see the parallel. That we're not talking about people being just uncourteous. That's been always been the human condition. We're not talking about someone, oh, he, he, she, 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 you know, turned her nose up against me, uh, to, toward me. That has always been the condition. We're talking people now becoming outright violent and they don't care. They'll look to destroy you and they don't care. They'll ruin your reputation and they don't care. Matter of fact, it's promoted and encouraged. Has that not speaking of our society today? And every facet of communication, is that not prevalent today? Hence why we know it's the last days. He continues here, and he says it's in the last days, and many people will say, what does he mean by the last days? It's a broad term used in the New Testament, broad enough to where one could say that the last days began with the start of Jesus' ministry, the days of the Messiah. Why? You can find that in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 on that reference. But to his return, where he comes back in the clouds to take us and rapture us out of here, those are the last days. It also we can see in the scripture that these last days could refer to of the start of the birth of the church to the when Jesus comes back for the church. It could be those possible last days that is referred to. We see that in the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. 
Yet this term <clears throat> we will find is especially appropriate to the season that's immediately before the return of Jesus for his church and the consummation of all these things. I believe all three are true. But I believe more emphasis in the emphasis today on the, on the scripture today, it's referring to the last days as we see we're drawing closer to Jesus returning for his bride. Which is the life we live now. These are the last days. Though some think that any attention of anyone, the pastor talking about these last days, many people don't like. They prefer a church that doesn't talk about Jesus returning because they love their life now. They go to churches that don't talk about uh, biblical prophecy because they don't want to believe in biblical prophecy, even though a quarter of the Bible is biblical prophecy. They want to pick and choose what they talk about. But don't talk about Jesus returning because I'm still having way too much fun as a Christian in this world to think about him returning today. That's not right thinking according to the scripture. We should be able to discern what the last days are and are at least when world conditions that the Bible says will look like during his before his return that we will recognize the conditions not only of this world but the people within this world regards to their characteristics. God has not kept a, uh, a, a so so unaware for us, we can clearly see through the discernment that God is showing us if you're studying the word of God. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders in his day because they did not or would not understand the meaning of their times. And these are religious leaders. We see that in Matthew 16.3 specifically where Jesus calls them out and says, You hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus had no problem calling out religious leaders who were just had a facade of religiosity. It's possible that Jesus would have the same rebuke for some Christians today. And, and, and many Christian leaders today who stand behind a pulpit, who do not want to know the things and the signs and prophecies from the Word of God because they don't want to teach it. Because they don't even know it. But we must know the Word of God. He gave the Word of God for our life, for our life today. That's why we encourage Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book teaching, and you keep showing up and eventually in 20 years we'll get through the entire book. It's been 10 years and we haven't finished yet. But many Christians today are unaware and uninterested in of the last days. They don't want to even talk about it. They don't want to think about it. They got way too many 10-year plans in place that they have to live out. But let me encourage you, my brothers and sisters, keep showing up regardless of how you feel, because at some point you're going to come to realize that heavenly things are far, far superior than anything 10-year plans you can think of. Anything. Matter of fact, you've heard me say it many times. When the Lord comes and takes us home, it solves all my problems. It solves all my problems. And it will solve all your problems. We see here now in verses 2 through 5, he's going to go through the 19 characteristics. Follow along, we'll take each one because I want you to have clarity of what the characteristics of even religious people will look like or non-religious people will look like. It depicts of the world they live in and their human condition in the last days. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, 
without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people, party with them? No. Turn away. Don't fellowship with them. It's, it's, this could be a very detriment to you, Timothy. Make sure you tell your people, Timothy, that this is a sign of the characteristics of people in the last time. And what do you deal with this, Timothy? How do you deal with the Timothy? As a pastor, you are loving all people. You love people. You don't like their sin. You absolutely hate the sin. But they love the people, and you want to minister to them. But they're showing up in your church, and this is the characteristics that are of their life, their human condition. What do you do, Timothy, with them? You love them, and you love them. But if they're not willing, they want to practice, they want to continue to do these things, they're just in a, they just have a veneer of religiosity. Be very careful how much influence they have over you, Timothy, because it will hurt you. Let's talk about them. Now keep in mind, these people are religious, but they're rebellious. Did you hear me? These are people who say they're religious, but they're very rebellious. They're rebellious toward the word of God or any authority of the word of God. They want to do their own will and live their lives however they want to live it, regardless of what God says. Now, notice I didn't say according to what I say as a pastor. The only thing I'm going to tell you is what the word of God says. So God just is using me as a tool, as a vessel to teach you the word of God so you clearly know God's expectation for you who declare that you are a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, you're just showing up because someone invited you or because you've always come here because you grew up in a church and you've just been pretending to be a Christian. Okay, it's speaking to you too because you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to repent and give your life and be set free and your life to be changed. Now we see here, after reading and looking over this list, you would think Paul was watching our evening news program. You think he was sitting there going through the social media outlets that you can go through today and say, yep, that is the world I'm watching. This is thousands of years ago. Come on. I mean, this is speaking to our people today. And this is also very interesting to know that Paul compiled that list only 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. It only took three decades for people to walk away from the truths of God after the resurrection of Jesus and go back into the world. That's why I'm, the word of God's always warning us, be very careful. You gave your life to Christ so many years ago, maybe 30 years ago. But how easy it is to drift back into the things of this world and let the things of this world grip you and pull you away from the word of God. Now, my brothers and sisters, I love you. <laughs> if the Lord just spoke to you, some, that, that right there was for someone here. And if it's someone online, I pray you'll reach out to me and talk to me if you're online. Because I want to pray for you and with you. Because today's a fresh start for you. It's spring for you. No longer you're in the dead of winter. You're, you're spring. Let's move forward. Forget the past. Let's press forward with the Lord and make change. Because he's right there with open arms. We sang that today, do we not? Come to him with open, the Father's with open arms to you. To embrace you and love you and encourage you to move forward with him. That's his desire. That's my desire as a pastor. But we see that this is very interesting. That it didn't take long. Just three decades. And people are already 
falling away from God's truth. And Jesus once asked a very sobering question we see in Luke 18.8. Do you remember that at the very end of Luke 18.8? He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find faithful people to him? That's a very sobering question that Jesus asked. Will his people be faithful to him? Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15 at the very end, he says, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. That's what the church is, supposed to be grounded in the truth of God's eternal truth and to give out the truth. That is what the purpose of the church is. But look at how far so many churches have gone. They've walked away from the word of God. They've compromised the word of God. And it makes sense why there's so much attacks on the church because Satan is attacking the absolute source that is taught of the word of God. Satan doesn't have to teach some college institute that is completely against the word of God. That's his home. He doesn't have to attack a home that has nothing to do with God in the house and doesn't talk about the things of God in the house because it's his home. But Satan will attack a home or a church or any grouping of people that are teaching and following the word of God. So that's why Paul's warning Timothy over and over and over. Timothy, don't, don't be surprised. Satan is going to attack. It is absolutely a target on your back because you're teaching the word of, tr the, the word of truth. And Satan has always targeted God's truth. All the way back into the, the, uh, to Eden, if you remember, in Genesis. It is the key strategy today to him to attack the church from the outside through cults and moral relativism. That's one way he attacks the church. But he also attacks from within through division and strife. If he can cause division and strife, he has a foothold to get inside to then cause disruption within the church body. That we cannot allow. And how important it is that we all are fighting in prayer on our knees and then I will continue to show up to actually fight by preaching. We all are fighting in our knees in prayer, but I will show up and I will be continue to preach the word of God and nothing but the word of God. And that is how we will fight Satan attacking this church in any form or fashion. We must stand in unity. We cannot compromise and we will not compromise for 10 years and we will not until the Lord comes back and takes us home. Because if we don't do it, my brothers and sisters, you will see and you may have experienced churches you used to go to that have compromised the word of God. And it's caused confusion and it is absolutely the deepest of sadness when I ponder on the things in the many of churches that have clo closed across the nation that I've known. Because they've compromised in the word of God. They've allowed sin to come into the camp. And we see that through the first Timothy. We saw this in the second Timothy. Paul warning Timothy. These things shall not be. They can't be my brothers and sisters. This has got to be a sanctuary. Or a refuge. A place we can come. And rest with the Lord. And rest with his people. And find joy and peace in this. And if you are desperate in need of healing. This, this is the place. God is going to do a wonderful work in your life. And here's the things that we see. Be men, of love, be, men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be very self-centered. They'll be nurse, um, narcissistic in nature. There, it's, it's, just, it's going to be so prevalent in the last days, people just thinking of themselves. What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? 
And, I, and, and there's grace. Many people will come to a church because they come because they're looking to get something out of the church. And we show grace. It's like, keep showing up. Just be still. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Let's just, just, just rest. There's nothing you can do. Just, there's just, just rest. I'm not asking from anything from you. Just, just rest and hear from the word of God. Let him restore you. But many people will come, men and women who will be encouraged to love themselves. That is everywhere. Love yourselves, love yourselves. You look at the magazines. Look at everything around you. It's all about how do you love yourself. And love yourself however you want to be. Yes, you're all messed up. You're on drugs and alcohol and, and you go on down the list and people are telling you, oh, you just have to learn to love yourselves. Just love where you're at. It's a trick of the enemy, my brothers and sisters. If you're anything aspect of your life goes contrary to the word of God, don't love it. Get out of it. Run from it. It will set you free. We don't need to be encouraged to love ourselves. We naturally will love ourselves. We see that in the scripture. You're going to naturally love yourself. You're going to take care of yourself. Neither should we be taught to hate ourselves. That's the enemy will do the same thing. Oh, you're nothing. You're low. And you may have been spoken into your life through people who are near to you that you are nothing. But let me tell you, God created you and in his image, you are something. Romans 12, verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Let us be humbled and sober that God, God apart from you, we can do nothing. You created me in my mother's womb. And you have a plan and a purpose for my life. The God of the universe knows you. And guess what? He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sin. To make a way for you to be set free from the sins that dominate your life. That's love. You are loved. We must see ourselves as we really are. Both the bad of what we are doing in our flesh, we must see that it is bad. But we also need to glory in what we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We must glorify him and be thankful and grateful for that relationship. This love of self is the foundation of all the depravity that follows in Paul's listing, if you noticed here. It's that, that self-love is what brings down a society. Notice here that remember the heart of every problem is the problem in the heart. Why is society like this? Because there's a heart problem. Why am I having such problems? Because you have something in your heart that needs to be cleansed. It needs to get out of there. There's no incident that the first of these qualities will be a life that is centered in self. The Greek adjective used here is philatros, which is meaning self-loving. Love of self is the basic sin from with all other sins flow from. The moment a man makes his own will, his priority of what and how he's going to live this life, it's centered, my will is the center of my life and I will do whatever I want. That right there, that attitude, that heart, is why you're in the position you're in is why your, your conditions of your life is where it is at. 
divine and human relations will be destroyed because of your self-willed, your self-centeredness. Obedience to God and hearing God's word and with clarity for you to be able as men and women to become uh, application in our lives will become impossible. And the essence of Christianity is not the enthronement. Barclay says this in his commentary. He says, the essence of Christianity is not the enthronement, but the obliteration of self. You must obliterate this selfish attitude for you to have new growth, a spiritual growth in your life. Lovers of self. Lovers of self is the blood, lifeblood, I'll put it that way, is the lifeblood of all sin. It's the source which all other corrupt characteristics spring forth in one's life. Someone asked me, how would you solve the problem of society today, Pastor? What would I say? People need to die of self. They need to surrender to Jesus their entire life and die of self and live for him supremely which gives them the power and ability to love others and if you have the power and ability from God to love others do you think you're going to shoot anybody? no it's not your character would you rip someone's Reputation apart on social media? No. It's not your character. Would you just blatantly do wrong? Cheat, steal? No. It's not your character. God has transformed your life. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. These in the last days, these are the characteristics of people even religious people, be very careful, Timothy. It doesn't affect you and the rest of the congregation. It continues here. And we remember in Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40, God commands us to love him supremely and our neighbors as ourselves. But again, but if we love ourselves supremely, we will not love God or our neighbors. That's as simple as I can make it for you all. The more you think about yourself, the more miserable you will become. That statement, if you've been with me for 10 years, you've heard me periodically say that, that statement from a pastor is what transformed my life and surrendering my life to Jesus Christ as a young man. The more you think about yourself, the more miserable you become. And I knew out of 500 plus men, he was speaking directly to me. How did he know me? He didn't. I was at a men's conference. He had no clue who I was. I was hiding in the back, left, right, well, right corner to me, left corner to you. Lazarus, I was hiding right there, thinking he would not hear me. I could run out the door as quickly as I can. And guess what? The Lord set me free that day, and I was so thankful. We also see men will be lovers of money. Love of money is nothing new in today. It wasn't new back then. It's not new today. Money is one of the things that brings out a character of a person of greediness and covetousness and self-centeredness. What are you doing? What do you mean? You're, you, you, money? No, don't talk about me about my money. It's nothing new. But it will become very dominant. We see Paul even mentioned it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 through 10, about how the love of money will grip people and it will be everything to them. We also see Paul says men will be bolsters and proud and blasphemers. They'll be boasting about their life, boasting about their accomplishment, boasting here and boasting there and pride and prideful, pridefulness about these things. And the blasphemy or the fact that 
there'll be outright anger toward the things that are against people. Blasphemy are nothing new, but today they seem far more prominent than ever before. Boasting and pride and blasphemy, each act as if the most important person is just them. That's the sign of people at the end times, the last days. Each will say, you don't matter, and God doesn't matter, and all that is matter is what I get out of this life. It's an attitude that Paul says will be in the last days. We see also men will be disobedient to parents. And since the, the 1960s, if not before then, we have seen society see that very clearly of the breakdown of the family. We see it a very, very frightening trend since the 60s where children will blatantly go against their parents. Like they have your, your authority, it means nothing to me. I'm just going to use you because I can use you because you have to be my parent. And then as soon as I can get out of here, and as soon as I can get something from you, then I'm off. And they still expect you to be paying for them in their 20s and 30s. But you have no say in their, in their life. That is not how God designed it. But that will be very, the word in the Greek is out of control. Children become out of control when it comes to their parenting. And we see it played out. We also see Paul says men will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. And that again, ever since Adam, mankind has been marked with these things. It's to some degree or not, but the intensity of these will increase and more frequently and more broadly across society in the last days. Can you say that the majority of the people are thankful and holy and loving and forgiving to everybody? The Greek word here that he's speaking to is storge. It means natural love for family. But the word that Paul's getting across, and any time you put an A in front of the Greek word, it's, it's a negative, it's a without. So the word here is estorgi, which means without natural love for your children. Unnatural love for family. The family unity is not loving according to God's way. How do we see that played out today? Abortion. Starts right away from life. I have an unnatural love for the baby that God has given me in my womb, and I am willing to destroy that life. That's unnatural. It's satanic. We also see then child abuse and child trafficking and child sex manipulations and the things that we see that are happening within the family and allowed to happen in many cases. When you see these things, we're in the last days, Paul says. And yet we see it more than ever before this last year, have you not? I went back and looked at the statistics of just searching how frequently do you see child trafficking popping up as any kind of thing. Do you know just not even three years ago you would never actually hear in actual main media and outlets about child trafficking? Now what do you hear over the last three to five years? Child trafficking, child sex rings, at the highest of levels of everywhere in society. When you see these things, my brothers and sisters, do not turn an eye to them. They are a sign of the last days. The Lord is coming back for you and I. And he uses the word unloving here. It's translated without natural affection or heartlessness without Family love. In the family, there'll be heartlessness. They'll be just all for themselves within the family. We see that in Romans 1, verse 31. He writes to that there as well. 
Paul did not, is not missing, you know, he's not sugarcoating this for us. He didn't sugarcoat it for Timothy, and he's not sugarcoating it for you and I today, that the fact that these are signs, things we must be aware of, and we must be on guard, that that does not permeate into our lives in any form or fashion. And if it is, it's got to get out. Paul said that the end times would be marked by an attitude of growing disregard for normal family love and obligations and responsibilities. Highest rate of single-family homes are happening today than ever recorded. We also see that men will be slanderers. Men will have always told hurtful lies about other men. That has always happened. But today, media and politics, slander, even elevated to the biggest of most powerful businesses and where the big money is flowing, it happens at all levels today. No integrity, no honesty. Do whatever it takes to get what we want to achieve. When you see these things, these are the last days, my brothers and sisters. Be aware, Paul says. And there's people who are in the church who still do these things. Sadly, I wish I didn't have media online because then I wouldn't, in some ways, realize how plethora of issue this is with regards to even pastors slandering one another through, through media. It should not happen. Men will be without self-control. The story of no self-control can be written across almost everything today. No self-control with sex, no self-control with drugs, no self-control with alcohol, no self-control with food, no self-control with work, no self-control with buying and purchasing. There is no self-control. It's all about how you feel. I feel like this. I deserve this. I want this. Without any asking, God, this is your money. This is your job you gave me. This is your, my wife. This is my husband. This is my... You, we don't even take God into consideration of what to do with God, what, what God has given us. When you see these things, and they permeate the church in these things as well, we're in the last days. We see that men will be brutal. The Greek word here is uncivilized. Cruelty and brutality are nothing new in the world. But God, Paul wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here and says and he predicted that the last days would be marked by particular brutality. How many people think, oh, we're an advanced society we are in such a mature, knowledgeable, oh, we're in just a perfect society today. Back in those primitive cave days, oh, we're not like them. <laughs> yeah, we just have much more sophisticated tools and weapons to do it with. The internet is probably one of the most powerful to take people out. When you have a culture and society called culture, uh, culture, what's, what's the word? Cancel culture, thank you. When you see that it's promoted cancel culture, do you really understand what that means? Destroy whoever's in your path to get what you want. Do you see, when you see these things in society, it is the last days. We also see men will be despisers of good. This modern society, the t place where you see it, there's so many examples of people who are absolutely don't like good. If it's Christianity, get rid of it. If that person at work is a Christian, shut them down, get them out. If that person over here is doing this, that's just baking a cake, but refuses to bake a cake, 
Let's destroy his entire livelihood and his reputation. When you see these things, be very careful. But one thing that we see most of all is that people thought letting people live was good. It used to be, I hope you have a good life. And you always moved in the direction, I want to help you with having a good life. And killing anybody was something of badness. You killed someone? Are you kidding me? That is the worst thing you could do. But today, we live in a culture when the simple good of life is now despised and attacked. How is it attacked? Abortion? Glorifying violence and murder, even to euthanasia. Realizing we'll kill off the elderly because they have no value. When you see a society moved into this direction, this is what Paul was talking about. And people see and think that it's right. Men will be traitors and headstrong and haughty and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Again, these characteristics are all about one thing, is it not? Self. Men are traitors because of self. They're headstrong. They're headstrong being rash or um, recklessness in their life. They're reckless because of their self. They're haughty. They're conceited. They're puffed up in their own life. They think they're better than anybody else because of self. They're lovers of pleasure than rather than lovers of God because of their self. That's why God talks about you must die to self to be able to gain life. We don't have to choose between pleasure and God. Why? Because we see in the scripture, Psalm, at the end of Psalm, chapter 16, verse 11, it says there, God says clearly of the ultimate pleasure. God, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You, if you've never experienced a born-again experience where you are saved and been forgiven and start walking and living for God, you have not experience the pleasures of God. And I am sad for you. But I'm also happy because you're hearing this message today. Today is a new, new day for you. Let spring bear forth. Like living spring. Like living water come and change your life. Don't let you be a traitor. Don't let you no longer be headstrong. Don't be haughty and lovers of pleasure. You're just empty. And you know it. But we have a choice, do we not? We have a choice between the love of pleasure and the love of God. Living for God will give you many pleasures. But they only come as you love God first. You must put him first in your life. And refuse to love the pleasures of themselves alone. And then we see this is probably the most impactful little sentence statement that Paul makes here. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's why we know that he's talking about people who are coming into the church or declare they're religious. Or they're Christians. He's speaking that here that they're so self-obsessed about their life, even as a professed Christian, that people feel very free to have this buffet religious option for them. I want to go to the church with a buffet. I get to pick what I feel like eating today. I don't feel like obeying this part of the word because I don't feel like it. I'm going to only apply this part of my life. It's a buffet. 
And my religion that I follow allows me to have that buffet. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, that's not how it works. God's grace will allow you in time to just grow and mature where you'll learn to eat all the food. It's like a child. I'm not eating the broccoli. In due time, you will. I am no way eating spinach. By the time you mature, man, you're going to have more spinach in your life of salads and with all the little things and trimmings that go on it, you won't even remember. But I want a lot of dessert. He didn't say you can't have dessert. But just have dessert in the moderation or the way that God has designed it. Religion is not a buffet. It is a meal that God hands us and feeds us because he knows exactly the nourishment that you need wherever you're at in your walk with him. Just whatever he receives, that's why we just keep showing up regardless of how you feel. He will speak to your heart about these things. Why? Having a form, an outward form or an appearance of godliness that we see even written in Romans chapter 2 verse 20, but denying its power, Titus chapter 1 verse 16. Oh, I can't wait till we get to book to Titus. But when we talk about the power of godliness, we often mean it in the sense of power to give me what I want. God, I want your power because I want something. That is not what Paul is talking about here. And if you've been listening to that false teaching out there in other churches, don't listen to it because that is not what Paul is talking about here. But he's talking about the exact opposite of that mentality. He is saying the power of godliness that men will despise in the last days is the power it should have to guide their lives. The power in the sense of right authority, the authority of the word of God. They deny the authority of the word of God. When you see that in society, especially churches, when churches says, I don't believe the word of God is from, the word, from God, you know that is not where you're to go. Some people come in here, how'd you find us? Oh, we found you on website, we're kind of checking it out. I said, what are you looking for in your church? I had someone say, well, you accept everything and anything. What do you mean by accept everything and anything? We accept you because God loves you. But if you have sin that you are practicing in your life, that God wants you to, to let go. Well, I'm not going to let go of it. Well, then this is not the right fellowship for you. Why would you? That's sin. It just, it's, gonna, it's a cancer. It's going to permeate in the church. That can't happen. It's okay. There's other churches, unfortunately, will accept your open, rebellious, practicing sin. I pray you won't go. I pray you'll stay. I pray you'll learn and grow and understand the knowledge of God so that your life will be changed. But Paul says, when you see people who have a form of godliness but deny the power, meaning I do not want to follow God's word. What is you to do, Timothy? From such people turn away. The command, the command to turn away from people described by these characteristics who practice these things. Let me say the word again. Who practice these things. They're, they're not like they're struggling to keep away from those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those who you've been walking along and all of a sudden these things of this old sinful life comes creeping back in and it's like, oh, what am I doing? And it's like dog going back to bump, get, get it out. But I'm talking about, Paul's talking about people who continue to practice sin, practice things that go against the word of God. Paul says the only way you have to deal with this, Timothy, you have to deal with it rightly. You must turn away. Do not be deceived. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away with various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth of the truth. God warns Timothy, people who are false teachers, people creeping in who have these characteristics, they are never going to be satisfied just coming and sitting. It's only a matter of time they will creep in and try to get in with the gullible people that are out there who are open, who are not solid in the word of God and the truths of God, and they're just open to anything. I'm, have you heard ever? You may have said this before. I'm open to anything. I just feel like I need something. Be very careful if you go by your feelings. Because that feeling will open you up to people who will creep in. in. And again, why does Paul say gullible women? Only because women stayed at home in this culture all the time. So it was easy for people to kind of go visit people at their house during the day. But he's really referring to anyone who is gullible, who is on websites watching and listening to false teaching. If you're out there looking for answers and you're gullible because you don't know the word of God, you will be open to anything if you go by feelings. And my brothers and sisters, please don't do that. If you have a question, that's why we're here. I'll open up the word of God for you and show you exactly what the word of God says to you. You don't have to go searching. Just be humbled and ask. I, we could, I Even send it to me in a closed con- caption with no name on it, and I'll somehow get the answer out so anyone who's listening and watching the Facebook and stuff, you'll hear me put the answer out, whatever it may be, if you want to do it in secret. But I hope you feel comfortable enough to come and ask any question. If it's not me, find another leader or someone who knows the word and will help you. Because there's people who are going to, false teachers, Paul's telling Timothy, be very careful, they're going to creep in. Just like the serpent creeped into the home of Eve in the garden. Be very careful not to allow Satan to bring in junk into your household. Men, (laughs) men, you're going to be held responsible by God of what is allowed to go into your household. Protect your family, men. Be men. Protect your family. Know exactly what your kids are watching and looking at. Talk and make sure communication is open, especially with your wife and your children, to know who's lingering around. I assure you, anyone who's come to your door with a rifle or a gun or a knife or just saying they're going to break into your house and your kids and your wife's in there, you will do whatever it takes to protect them. Please have that same attitude when it comes to things like books and movies and all kinds of junk through media. Why? Because we see that these gullible people are lured away by lusts. They're going to cause people to be lust away. I feel like I need, I'm alone. I need something. I need someone. I, and that's how things of lust get creeped into the hearts of the people within a home. Always learning, though. Always learning. Always, but never able to obtain or come to the knowledge of the truth. The spirit of the last days has certain intelligence about it, Paul says. Highly intelligent. Lots of information available. You can Google anything. Lots of information available. Always searching out there on the web, looking for truth. Always looking for an answer. But trying this approach and that approach and this church and that church without just looking for to get something, someone to validate your feelings. But never able to be satisfied. Watch out because at that point in your life, you're open and vulnerable for false teachers to creep in and target you because you're looking for answers. 
and they will take advantage of those problems. People who have problems and you're searching and asking for an answer for those problems in your life, watch out. If you don't turn to the word of God, false teachers will guarantee you, will give you really bad advice to bring you down. And we'll close here with this, verses 8 and 9. Now as Janes and Jamborees resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest or brought clear, brought to light to all as theirs also was. Do you know who Janes and Jamborees is? Most people don't. Historically, they believe these are the two Egyptian, uh, two Egyptian magicians that went against Moses when Moses went into Pharaoh to start those plagues, if you remember. And if you remember, Moses and Aaron walks into Pharaoh and they sit there and God says there is going to bring a plague upon you. If you remember, as each of these miracles that, um, that Moses did when he took the staff and threw the staff down, what happened to these two magicians that we see here, we believe are the magicians that were there at the time, they took their staff and threw it down also and turned into what? Serpents as well. They were able to duplicate what Moses did. But then I love the story, right? You can't stop there. Moses' serpent ate their, their two, two serpents, okay? You know, I love it. God is like, okay, you want to play with these games? But even the frogs. When God said, we're going to bring frogs and fill the place up, and frogs filled the place up, these two magicians couldn't get rid of the frogs. They asked for more frogs, and they were able to do it. Why? Because the demonic forces were with them to duplicate until they got to the lice. And then God said, that's enough is enough. And they brought the plagues and they could not duplicate. And it brought to light their eyes that, that Moses' God was powerful of all power. These are the two guys. These are the two guys that Paul brings to light Here's a form of religiosity. They'll have power of demonic forces and demonic abilities and will come and do good things. Can you think of some people that, I'm a, I'm a palm reader. I can do good things for you. I've got some tarot cards. I can do something good for you. It goes on and on and on today. Be very careful. That's all demonic that's what Paul is talking about. These are men of corrupt minds. They're disapproved they, concerning the faith. They have no faith in the living God. May we understand, based on the scripture today, of the predictive end times, the terrible times that we find ourselves in, but it's going, unfortunately, from my perspective of what I see in the word, it's going to get worse may you now be prepared my brothers and sisters do not be afraid do not get anxious don't don't make any rational decisions except only one big decision i want you to make is commit your life to supremely to following the word of god and you will not be deceived amen